Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And uh, for today, we do get into a discussion um, around uh, the world of uh, blockchain, uh, but more specifically, uh, the world on of uh, NFTs. Uh, people will remember that uh, through the pandemic, uh, particularly in late 2020 and 2021, um, we heard about nfts which are non-fungible tokens um everyone and their mother was uh, was getting in um, on nfts and i think um the everyone everyone knows uh the picture of uh, of the board ape by now um you know that has been making a lot of rounds people have been making a lot of deals uh people have been selling a lot of art uh, because that's one of the big applications that um, nfts have found themselves um you know serving uh, but for today we do get into a discussion um, with Moment. They are a South African startup and one of the things that's interesting is how they describe themselves because they uh, describe themselves as a social NFT uh, marketplace. So we're going to be having, you know, quite an interesting discussion uh, for today. We're going to be talking to Adam Romaine now who is the co-founder at, uh, at Moment and um, one of the big things I'm quite curious to understand is where he sees things because um, when you're talking to certain people, um, you sort of get the sense that NFTs have fallen off. I think that's what the young people would say, that they've fallen off, it's no longer trendy, and all of that, that the bubble has burst. Uh, but we're going to be understanding from Adam, you know, whether or not the bubble has indeed burst or whether, you know, um, it simply means that uh, the real market players have been left in the ring and that, you know, those that were just there for the hype have sort of fallen off. So Adam, greetings. How are you today? Sweet. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah. How are you doing? Are you feeling good? No, 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 no. Alive, good, well, and thriving on this end. And it's always great uh, to sort of, uh, you know, talk to, uh, you know, talk to someone who is intimately um, involved um, in the space. Now, as we begin, Right. Uh, I think before we get into the meat and potato of the discussion, I've just described you guys as a social NFT marketplace. What does that actually mean? What does Moment do? Cool. So, yeah, so Moment is the um, easiest to use platform for Web3. So we're trying to simplify the whole Web3 process. You know, it can be very, very complicated. Um, you know, and where we've landed up in the product we built right now to help people get into Web3, NFTs, crypto, um, is a social media NFT marketplace. So Web3 and, and NFTs is generally like the financial internet. So, you know, a lot of the times when you're buying NFTs, you're using them. Not all the times. They're, they're generally to, to buy some, some form of like assets. Um, that can even give you a financial return. So, you know, we just want a place where people can, you know, start their journey create some NFTs um, for whatever use case they want to, you know, create them, allow people to buy it super easily um, and, and share that with their friends, you know, just kind of like all learn together, collaborate. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of like an alternative investment platform, right? Um, that's what most NFT platforms are, you know, if you boil them down to what, what they actually do. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's what we are. 
Um, one of the big things uh, that you've already mentioned, I think just listening to you over the last minute or so, you mentioned Web uh, Web 3 at least three times, right? So let's drill down into what that actually means. I think you had already, um, you know, started explaining on a high level what that is, um, because at least from some of our understanding, you know, where the, the first iteration of the Web you literally had, you know, companies and organizations that were online sort of speaking to people. Um, you know, uh, they, they were sort of like billboards as opposed to anything else. Then you have Web 2.0 where it's sort of two-way traffic. Um, you know, you've got uh, people that, the people that are, you've got the businesses, but also at the same time, you've got people, you know, creating their user-generated content and all of that stuff. That's my understanding of, uh, you know, the second, you know, wave, the Web 2.0. When we talk about 3.0, um, what are we talking about specifically? What's the next evolution uh, that we're referring to? I think it's more of a, a, a collaborative internet, right? So um, generally uh, you want websites that can talk to each other, flow, you know, people can move their data wherever they want. So it's more of a free, uh, you own your, you own your, your data, um, money flows more easily. There's less monopoly is not saying that they won't be massive, massive companies that kind of own certain segments in the, in the new web three type of internet. But I think it's just more collaboration, um, and more decentralization. So people can create a service that the whole world can use. It's open source, you know, um, and, you know, people can collaborate on these amazing new products that open up new opportunities. Whereas in the past, I think it was more about web two, you know, these companies realized the power of, of the, you know, web technologies to make their own financial gains and just grow their companies massive. I think in Web3, you're seeing um, financial inclusion happening through DeFi and other products. And, and that a lot of those, those the technologies built by communities, which is insane. So it's just like, um, I, I feel, you know, if you boil it down, it's the financial internet. So it's allowing people to transact with each other without having to go through middlemen and banks and, and, and things like that. Um, and more collaboration. So websites are, you, you can, interact with websites different websites more easily and move your data around more freely you know with facebook how do you move all your facebook posts to another social media platform you just can't do that whereas in web3 you'd be able to be um, on a social media site having all your your posts and all kind of the things you want to share with the world and you can immediately shift it over to another platform you know with a click of a button you know that's that's you just can't do that on web2 so it's it's just more free more collaboration um, more financial inclusion. So, yeah, it's awesome. Um, awesome indeed. And when you think about uh, something like that, one of the big things, because we are a business platform, um, is we would be curious to maybe understand how is it that you guys are making money, right? We've gone into the discussion around, uh, you know, Web3 and, you know, all the, you know, the fact that you see it as a way for more financial inclusion, etc. cetera. Uh, but for moment, right, um, getting onto Web3.0, how are you guys making money from it? Cool. So, you know, the, the process of um, minting and creating NFTs and, and buying crypto and all these, you know, kind of assets and, and things that you need to interact with Web3, um, that whole process is generally quite complicated. So, for example, let's just take one. So minting NFTs, uh, minting means creating NFTs. Um, we have a free tier that we allow anyone to create NFTs for free. But when businesses come to us with larger projects, um, so for example, someone wants to, you know, um, 
start a solar farm and they want to, you know, uh, crowd, crowdfund that through NFTs and uh, pay out uh, token holders every quarter, uh, we will help them create um, all the smart contracts and, and NFTs necessary and we charge for that. So we charge an upfront fee to launch massive NFT projects. Um, and then those projects generally land on a marketplace um, and that's where people can buy those NFTs. And when you buy an NFT, same um, as Visa and MasterCard, they take transactions whenever you know something happens. Um, we're also going to take transactions when people buy NFTs, um, but we're not greedy. So the, the transaction fees are a lot less than uh, you know traditional um, finance. So yeah, we we'll, we kind of um, are between transactions and helping businesses and individuals get into the ecosystem, whether that be buying crypto, creating NFTs, um, uh, or launching massive projects. And, you know, for something like that, it's very interesting that you point to, um, you know, the smart contracts, because I think when it comes to blockchain, you know, if we take a step back uh, before we even get to the NFTs, uh, people that were advocates of blockchain back in the day always said that this was going to be one of the big, um, one of the big applications uh, that people have. So I'm very interested then uh, because of what you've just said, you know, around your business model about how people are actually making use of NFTs on the ground, right? Like I said at the beginning, we sort of heard as if, uh, we sort of hear that NFTs have fallen off, that the bubble has burst, and that people are, you know, trying to run away from the market as much as possible. Uh, but, you know, the smile on your face, you know, suggests to me that no, uh, there's a lot going on under the surface. So maybe talk yeah. to us about that, right? Um, I mean, I'm actually even liking that example that you gave to us about someone crowdfunding for a solar farm or something like that using NFTs. What are some of the practical applications, like I said, that you guys are actually seeing uh, people making use of these things and have they fallen off? Cool. So let's start with have they, have they fallen off? That The answer is no. As a matter of fact, they're growing like crazy. So, you know, the NFT market, whether, you know, the bubble that's popped is the bubble talking about paying ridiculous amounts for junk nfts you know that doesn't that doesn't happen anymore um for good reasons i'm so happy that 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 kind of bubble popped where these projects that just had no utility not no meaning behind them um were selling for high prices it didn't it, it made sense in the beginning because you know there was low uh, um the scarcity was was there so there was wasn't many very nft projects out there people were buying in the early ones as almost like an investment saying they're, they're buying history um, but now, you know, that's dead. So what's coming up now is more, uh, are projects that actually have meaning that are normally asset backed or, um, have very strong utility behind them. So let's actually dive into a couple of the ones that we've launched. Um, so, uh, we're launching a project with Scoin. Scoin, um, you know, has, they, they deal a lot with gold and, uh, providing coin sets and coin collectibles for people to buy and sell. Um, and now one of the problems with coin sets is, uh, you know, you get a coin set worth $1.2 million. Now, now, how do you sell that? Number one. So that asset just sits there almost dead for like a long time. Um, and secondly, there are a lot of people that, you know, are major coin collectors, uh, you know, they die to own a portion of that coin set. If the whole thing, if they could afford it, but they can't, you know, they might be sitting with 20,000 Rand and they would like to invest in it. So we're fractalizing a coin set, um, using NFTs. Um, and you can buy um, some NFTs, which gives you equity in the coin set. So the coin set is held in, in a, a safe. Um, that's Scoin's business model. Um, 
and we just allow people to pretty much trade in, in equity of that coin set. So, you know, that, that's just not possible for, um, which is really cool. Um, we've got carbon offsetting. So this one is a little bit less um, in terms of making money and more just to allow everyday people to um, offset their carbon. So, you know, everyone knows about carbon credits and how businesses can buy carbon credits. Uh, and that's, you know, generally done at high volumes. So what we've done is distill it down into to, uh, buying carbon credits or offsetting your carbon um, and, and allowing people to understand it. So the NFTs uh, that, that we are selling are to do with your daily life. So, you know, maybe you drink bottle, bottles of water, right? And you feel a bit guilty because, you know, uh, it's pl- uh, the, pr- the production of that bottle of water is, you know, damaging to the environment. So we had a company uh, look at the statistics behind it and you can buy an NFT that offsets the carbon for some of your daily activities, eating meat. Um, so, you know, that will be launching in the next uh, three weeks. So if you are feeling guilty about the things that you do in your daily life, you can just buy these NFTs and offset your, your carbon, carbon um, you know, footprint, which is pretty cool. So that's like one that's just not as financial, but really awesome. Um, then uh, we did a drop with Honest Chocolates, so more of like a promotional campaign. So Honest Chocolates, a local uh, chocolate brand, and they wanted to give uh, a one-year discount uh, for all their chocolate. They've got five branches across Af- uh, South Africa. Um, and, you know, some people are avid fans of, of the brand and, you know, want to get close into the brand and buy a lot of their chocolate and support the business. So, you know, they can uh, buy a NFT that is done by a local artist. Um, and that's the, the artist is actually the wrapper around the chocolate. They produce the artwork for that. So you're buying the artwork. You're also buying into the brand and getting a discount uh, for them long term. So that's just like another uh, application there. Um, and then we're also looking at uh, tokenizing, you know, equity of businesses. So there's another company called Tented Adventures. Um, they, they've really struggled um, with funding their business um, through traditional mediums. Um, and they want to tokenize uh, their equity in their business. So one token equals 10% of their, their company. And just to list those tokens and sell those tokens so they can raise funds more easily. So there's just, you know, infinite uh <laughs> examples of what you can do. Um, and then the last one I just want to mention that's really, really crazy is uh, we're looking at um, tokenizing and uh, making YouTube channels, the revenue streams of the YouTube channels uh, into a, divid- a dividend. So for example, let's just say you have a creator, right? And you're extremely excited about this creator and, and you want to invest in that creator, but there's actually no way of doing that. They can take a YouTube video of theirs and create a whole bunch of NFTs that represent the revenue of that YouTube video or a channel. So you can buy into a specific video or buy into their channel. Um, and by buying that NFT, it sits in your wallet. And every three months, the creator will pay a smart contract for from all the revenues of that channel um, or the video into that smart contract. And your NFT will... Um, uh, that NFT that's sitting in the wallet will tell the smart contract where to pay the money. So essentially what that means is you can invest into a creator's video channel and every three months you get a payout based on the revenue that that video or the channel makes, which is really, really awesome. Like that, that kind of use case, you've never really, you never could do with traditional uh, financial systems. Um, and it allows for creators to get money up front. You know, a lot of YouTubers, they don't need money in five years time when they're successful. They need money now and they need people to buy into their success. So the fans that believe in them, um, can buy into their tokens, 
um, uh, you know, give them cash upfront to invest in their channel. They don't need uh, the revenue of that that video in five years' time. They need it now. Um, and then also, uh, it creates evangelists for your brand. So the people buying into that YouTube video or channel now would really want to share it because they have an incentive. They get um, you know money uh, back for supporting you. So then they share it like crazy, and then your channel grows. So that's just a couple of use cases. That's a lot of use cases, you know, and uh, and uh, and a couple that I wouldn't have even thought about. Um, and I think it sort of lends itself to um, at the height of the NFT craze, people were making memes about how you could literally make um, an NFT about uh, literally anything, uh, you know, under the sun. And, you know, some of the use cases that you just gave, I think they, they speak to, you know, how varied the applications can actually be. Um, I want to draw down on fungibility for a moment right um because i think for the critics of nfts that's where one of the big um debates you know is to say okay fine if i if i'm buying um ownership in a piece of art for example let's say an image um especially a digital image you know people can literally go control copy paste um, you know, digital images, where is the actual non-fungibility, you know, coming from uh, when it comes from that? And I'm hoping maybe you could help us to explain that little piece using the YouTube example, you know, um, because uh, at least YouTube videos are something that I personally understand. And you've already given us a walkthrough, um, you know, how that works. You know, you, you know, you invest in the NFT and then every three months revenue generated from um, a, a video online, you know, gets paid into the NFT and then that then gets dispersed um, to the people that would have invested um, in a particular video and all of that stuff. So fungibility, you know, let's use that YouTube example to explain you know that actual yeah fungibility is it really non-fungible or are people at a at a stage where they're just crowdfunding but deciding that they're going to use nfts because that's what's trendy right now i think that's the so, core question yeah, i'm asking so it depends i mean i think like so a lot of the times when you when you're talking about these nft projects what they do is they create a generative collection of like a thousand items now each one is a different image you know slightly different which gives it that you know non-fungibility which is not the same so you know even though potentially the token represents equity in something or you know a revenue like a you know access to a revenue stream or like options to buy into something else um, the reason it's a non-fungible token is because the actual art is different, you know, slightly different, which, you know, I feel today this, I, I like the question you asked, because I think it's kind of, it's just a bit of like a, it's a small nuance um, that people don't realize. And, and they, a lot of the times these projects aren't really fungible. If you look at board ape yard clubs, like some apes are different to others, but the reality is it's like, they're kind of the same thing. You're buying into a project, you know, whether the art's different or not, it's kind of representing each NFT is representing a very similar thing. Mutant apes are different from normal apes, but each ape, even though some are worth more and less, they're kind of the same. Um, so I think like how we like to see it at moments is that in it, what NFTs do is it allows any website to pick up a piece of data essentially and tell you who owns it, right? So 
Whether that means it's like truly an NFT or not, the actual standard, the ERC-721 standard, I know that sounds all complicated and things, but that's what the, the, the um, NFT standard is. Um, that allows any website to look at a token. So whether you, you want to call it an NFT or not, or call it an ERC-721 token, it allows you to look at that thing and say, what is this? Like, what does it do? And what, what um, NFTs are really good at or ERC-721 tokens is that they show you more data than generally a cryptocurrency token would. So cryptocurrency tokens are ERC-20 tokens, right? But they don't link to other data. When you import a, a, a cryptocurrency into a website, um, like a lot of these exchanges have cryptocurrencies on their site, you don't see any other data. You just see the coin name. Does that tell you anything? Does that give you any information about what you're buying? Um, generally, you know what they are before buying it. Like, you know, you, a lot of people on the crypto scene know USDC because it's been around for a long time. But when you look at it at a website, you don't, you don't see on an exchange what USDC is. You just see the currency USDC, which is a problem when you want to talk about projects, right? When I want to invest in something, I want to know the website. I want to know, I want an image to, to give me a visual of what I'm investing in. I want to know, um, you know, a whole bunch of other data that NFTs generally have. Right. And that's really cool. So whether it's truly non-fungible or not, I think the, the, this token standard that's come about, the ESC 721, which is commonly known as NFTs, is actually a little bit more powerful than just the NFT itself. It's a way that any website can look at a token that can do powerful things that can be pay out people on a quarterly basis or, um, you know, give you access to uh, certain other technologies or discord channels or something like that. Um, you know, that's where the power is and whether it's non-fungible, fungible, you know, I don't think it really matters. It depends on the use case and what you're trying to do. I hope that kind of answers the question. No, it, it really does because um, I think one of the one of the key ones is at least you haven't tried to make it seem as if everything is you know non fungible. Um, just recognizing the fact that there is a lot of gray area, I think you know it's 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 very important because at least uh, people will know that if they're dealing with Adam, he's not trying to sell them a dream uh, that all of this stuff is truly uh, what you call this um, you know non fungible. So it's 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 quite an interesting discussion you know uh, to have at the moment, and I guess the use cases uh, that people are coming up with when it comes to um, I, I guess tokens and what uh, people you know choose to turn into um, a token what are some of the trends that you are seeing earlier on you gave us like a like a whole bunch of different um, use cases uh, but rather than looking at the different use cases what's popular at the moment um, we I think by now we understand the art piece uh, because uh, that's what uh, you know a lot of marketing and a lot of discussion around nfts has actually been about especially in the mainstream uh, but from what you're seeing like what what are some of the big use cases? I think earlier on you spoke about the solar project. I'm I'm, I'm holding on to that because uh, I can see that that is a tool that people might um, jump onto, especially if you are a a person who's running a big business or you are someone who's trying to fund um, your big projects and that type of thing. You know, what are you seeing on the ground? So look, I think we'll, we'll start with the traditional ones. I mean, art is still thriving, um, not, not the speculative stuff like the actual artists that normally sell art and the digital artists that are really, really talented and have built a brand around them. I think that's just, you know, still thriving and doing, doing really well. Um, gaming is a huge one. I think, um, gaming was just designed or well, like NFTs just 
were doing what games uh, were like allowed games to do what they've always wanted to do, which is allowing like the aftermarket sales of items in, in games just be better, you know, like Steam and these other providers generally close down on an ecosystem. And then as a gamer, you put pour a lot of money into a, a system or like a game, and then basically you can't get it out, which sucks. So you're done playing a game. Now you've bought hundreds of items in the game and you want to get it out. NFTs are a way that you can sell it to the market and then you can go play another game. And other people in the original game that you're playing are super excited because they got a good deal on all the items you sold them. So I think gaming is just like a, a great one. And then the second part of gaming is play to earn, which is more to do with like um, creating an in-game economy using cryptocurrencies and NFTs um, to fund and provide like an, almost like an economic system. So you join the game, you play and you actually earn money, which is such a weird concept. It's like, how the hell is that even possible? Right. Um, <laughs> so, so like it's look, a lot of the, what's happening in the play to earn spaces, these, these economies are collapsing and they're not really like thought through too well, but I think the newer ones are, are pretty crazy and they're actually allow people to make money or gaming, which I, yeah, it's just look into it. It's too complicated probably to dive into now, but yeah, play to earn is huge. Um, I would say promotional campaigns are, are really big. I think a lot of brands are, are really trying to um, tap into creating NFTs to allow, um, you know, for different ways for people to interact with their brand. Um, so that, for example, like Honest Chocolate giving a discount, 10% uh, discount for, for a year or potentially a lifetime is pretty cool. Um, you know, there's, there's very few ways that you can actually use apps or systems to give people, you know, like different types of um, rewards for being loyal to your brand. Um, that's pretty big. And um, property is going to be a huge one. We haven't really seen many um, triggers being pulled. We're, we're looking at it closely um, and, and, you know, looking at the right project to launch, but you can either fractionalize property um, and allow, you know, a lot of people to buy into a specific property. You know, you, you get a lot of funds that that group of properties together, and then you're buying into a whole bunch of properties um, along with thousands of other people. But that kind of sucks because it's like, okay, I, I know that building right next to where I live is like a great investment. If I can invest in that specific building, I know that's a good investment. So, you know, allowing people to, um, you know, fractionalize their property and, and sell off pieces is pretty cool, as well as also actually changing the way the title deeds work and property transfers. So I think that one's going to be, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to roll out um, in, in SA in terms of, you know, how the government's going to feel about it and things like that. But essentially the goal is to get it to, you walk it, you walk to a property, you see the NFT, you look at the property, you say, I want to buy this and you just buy it. You know, the NFT gets transferred into your wallet and it's all, all amazing. That's, that's the future. Um, so I think we're the early stages of that are playing out now. People are looking at legal structures and how to actually put a property into a business structure. And then from there, the NFT is a representation of um, kind of like you can stay there or live there. You know, there's, there's probably like a hundred different ways you can get around it legally, but you know, they're all have downsides towards businesses at the moment. So properties, properties, uh, a huge one. And I think when um, the time is right, as well as the um, kind of the right parties come together, it's going to, it's going to change the game for property, um, which is awesome. And then, yeah, I think uh, like asset backed NFTs is, is starting to pick up. I'd say a lot of people are going to um, look at, uh, you know, just selling everyday things um, and, you know, commodities and, and, you know, it's just going to open up the, it just allows you to trade, physical items specifically when they held an escrow a lot better. So I think that's another one. You know, the property example that you're giving, um, once again, we're coming back to the smart contract. Um, 
I think that one, I'm not an expert myself, but I think that one has a lot of utility and probably has like a lot of legs. What I do see or anticipate is a situation where, let's say you have a building. I'm thinking about, um, you're in uh, you're in Cape Town at the moment, right? So I'm thinking about, uh, let's say, a building like the one that has the silo hotel in it, right? Let's say that building is worth 10 million rand or something, right? And then they have a cure. Who knows? We're, we're now living in that world where outside of uh, the silo building, there's a QR code, you know, that leads to your ability to buy an NFT um, in this building. Now, because NFTs are non-fungible, all right. It means that you are taking up a fixed piece um, of uh, a fixed piece of the building. Now, going forward, one of the big questions that um, I'm waiting for, you know, some answers in is by creating NFTs in a building. Do you create a set number of NFTs in a building, for example, um, or do you allow it to become a free-flowing market? Because the moment it becomes a free-flowing market, then it means, you know, if um, if Mudiwa and Adam put 5 million rand into the NFT uh, for, uh, for the silo building, then in essence, Mudiwa and Adam you know, own 50% each of the building because they have 5 million, 5 million. Great. If if uh, if Sue and Thomas then come in and throw another 5 million each into the building, what that, in essence, in a free market, it would mean that your, your building has doubled and is now worth 20 million and that our 50% shares have now been diluted to, um, you know, 25%. Um, each and you know that's that's what we own and so it's all of those questions that i'm now thinking about to say like you know do you have an infinite number of owners let's say in a building if you create an nft for it because you know things like that you know then create this ballooning effect if something is popular you know you have a building that begins at 10 million uh 10 million rand on the market uh, but with NFTs, if if there's an infinite number and more and more people, you know, invest in this NFT, then it drives up the price of the building. Who knows? In five years' time, that same building might now be worth a hundred million rand because so many people have now invested in it. And what what's interesting is that it's not uh, that that value is no longer a speculative amount, but rather an amount owing to the amount of money that people have actually put into the building as opposed to some perceived yeah. market price for for the building. So, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I, I think it's how you skin the cat, right? <laughs> I mean like there's so let's let's take like a um let's take a apartment block for example. Like the, the there's one way you could do it. You could say for every square meter in the building we're creating an NFT and each one is unique. And you own um, that specific square in the building and, and it entitles you to the revenue. Um, you could make that a normal cryptocurrency token called, uh, let's just say I used to live in a building in Woodstock called the WEX, um, the WEX token, right? And you could make it into a cryptocurrency token, an ERC20 token rather, and then let people buy into that um, and, uh, you know, trade on that. So that'll get rid of the problem of 
um, you know, how many people are wanting to buy in and, and, and stuff like that. So you could have as many tokens as you want. They don't have to be two. Um, but, you know, sometimes you'd want to just make an apartment block an NFT. So, you know, apartment 705 is an NFT. Um, you know, when you buy that, you now are allowed to stay in that, that apartment block. You know, it's yours. Uh, you can do with it what you like. Um, uh, so, yeah, so I think it, it depends on how this, how you want it structured. And, and I think this is the conversation that's not really been had because, like you said, there's this weird thing about NFTs and, like, are there really NFTs? So I think it's, what you've got to think about it this way is that smart contracts never really had a strong use case before NFTs because people, number one, didn't understand it. Um, and number two, there was no standardized smart contracts out there that really, like, push the needle. There was for like DeFi and some other other stuff, but you know, NFTs has brought it into the mainstream. And I think like if you use that as a foundation, let's just say you want to, uh, I don't know, fractionalize a building. Now, how, what, what do you do? Do you use uh, cryptocurrency like tokens or do you use NFT tokens? You know, it's up to you to decide. So I think, um, you know, the, the general conversation isn't around necessarily about NFTs, but actually about blockchain now. How does blockchain actually solve these problems? And whether you're talking about NFTs or cryptocurrency tokens or these things, that's up for each use case to decide which one is best. Um, and I think what NFTs has just done is let people wrap their head around, oh, wow, like I can actually own stuff, you know, on this thing called the blockchain that now like, you know, no central entity really owns and it, and it feels like very awesome. And, it, and the, the process is quick and cheap. You know, I can, you know, if you look at a property transfer, what is it like 70,000 Rand for, for transfer fees sometimes? Um, you know, I've gone through the process recently. It's like, I, I think I paid like 70, 100,000 Rand in transfer fees, plus all these other additional fees and things that you have to do. And it's annoying. Or I could have just transferred a property, um, you know, if an NFT would have cost me, you know, like a dollar for the, the trunk fees on the blockchain. So the speed increase, it's like, you know, everyone knows the the, the benefits of, of what the blockchain brings. Um, but I think the conversation, uh, what's gonna happen over the next couple of um, weeks to months to years is how, you know, people understand the blockchain, which tokens are used for right reasons and also hiding that complexity to some degree. You know, that's what Moment's trying to do. When you wanna fractionalize a building, come to us, we'll talk to you how the, the right ways to, uh, to do it is. We've got a compliance team. We'll, we'll look at like what the right legal structure is, um, you know, you, what, what you're trying to achieve and then and match the technology there. And now all that NFTs has actually done is just allowing the public to go, oh, I actually understand these things now. I'm ready to buy into it. Previously, if you had said like two years ago, hey, I want to create these things called NFTs, which someone would have been like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I can sell and fractionize a property. They're going to be like, dude, like, what are you talking about? Like, you're like on another planet, you know? And, and the funny enough, I think, um, uh, Sir Ramaphosa's son uh, chatted to our investor, Rob Hersov, like five to 10 years ago or some crazy long time ago about NFTs. And Rob was like, what the hell is this? You know, so before it's when NFTs weren't a thing, people couldn't buy into the, the, the use cases that blockchain has actually provided. Now, actually, NFTs has just opened up. Oh, smart contracts are useful. And now let's standardize more. Let's let's look at a property standard in South Africa for NFTs. That would be awesome. You know, if let's all agree on one, it doesn't have to be like, this is the NFT standard. We can actually build on the standards. You've got the, the, the normal, you know, NFT uh, kind of functionality, which is it's an asset. You can send it, you can buy it, you can do whatever you want with it. It's yours, right? Now let's tack on some extra things that enable it to be better for property in South Africa and add some more functionality. Now let's call it a PNFT. 
So a property NFT, and let's let's standardize more so we can collaborate on the internet more effectively, um, and you know speed up transactions, make life easier. You know, uh, buying a property is a three month process. It shouldn't be. Now I'm not saying we're going to get there day one, but your yeah, NFTs is just the beginning. Mm. Yeah, no, it would be very interesting to see how, you know, all of those, um, how all of those discussions evolve um, over time. And particularly, like you said, the the choices that people make, you know, because they, when it comes to blockchain, there's so many different options that people can take uh, just around how um, they decide to make use of, you know, these smart contracts of blockchain technology um, when it comes to, you know, um, ownership, when it comes to defining, you know, what ownership is, you know, um, is it infinite ownership? Is it finite? Is it unique? Um, you know, all of these uh, different questions. So as we're ending off the discussion, discussion adam um just want to come back to um the businesses moment very quickly um you spoke just now about uh, the team that you have that you have a compliance department and the fact that you guys are doing all of this advisory work about how people can go about um tokenizing you know whatever it is that they're doing perhaps some of the best ways to to launch certain things um you know how to mint an nft you know all of that what does your team look like um at the moment and um you know how big is your presence sweet so yeah we've got about six to seven developers in our team um we've got uh, two people in compliance we've got some uh business to business account managers that help businesses you know understand the use case that they're wanting to launch with us um, get on board. We've got a whole creative team, which helps like, you know, launching an, an NFT project requires a lot of, um, you know, work in terms of telling people about it, propositioning it in the right way, getting people to understand what you're trying to do. So we've got probably one of the most talented creative teams that, you know, creates videos and, and, um, helps the, the businesses that we're working with, um, show their project to the world in, in a way that, everyday consumers can understand and not make it complex. You know, like, you know, you're buying an NFT, but in this project, what does it actually mean for you? How does it work? Let's simplify it down so that people can understand it. So we've got an all-rounded team to actually launch um, NFT projects. And what we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to um, launch some of the, well, we're, we're trying to launch the biggest projects in Africa. Um, and that's that solved problems. So, you know, if any business uh, wants to use, if they want to use NFTs, um, or thinking about it or just want to use smart contracts, um, but more specifically in NFTs, um, uh, that want to chat to us. Yeah. We would love to kind of work with businesses, um, in Africa that are, you know, wanting to get into the space, but don't really know how they've got really good use cases, but you know, it's, it's a complex process. And, um, yeah, we're, you know, I'll, we're now 40 to, to 50,000 users strong. Um, on our platform and yeah we've, we're launching uh, four projects this month that are larger scale projects fractionalizing things up to 1.2 million dollars so yeah we're we're i think the the next steps now is just um working with uh, african partners to launch some of the biggest nft projects um uh, and show that number one that they're not always rug pulls <laughs> you know you know not any, every web3 or nft project is going to take your money and run um specifically when we're working with good brands that's what we're going to try to prove um and then we want to prove that in specifically in africa where some of the use cases are actually stronger where you know lots of people are unbanked and and uh, you know how nfts and, and crypto can help we want to actually let those use cases shine um and yeah work with the right partners um at the moment you said 40 to 50,000 users over what period uh where that that's the our user base has grown over a year so we've only a year old and yeah we're sitting on i i just 
the, the number grows really fast. So <laughs> <laughs> I find it, but yeah, I, let's just go safe and, and say uh, 45,000. <laughs> it's just, I know it's in the 40,000 mark, but it could be 50 right now. So, okay, yeah, so this is, this is over the year. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're growing pretty, pretty fast. Um, you know, just to speak to some of the African adoption numbers, I mean, it's like crypto, um, payments have grown by 1,200% in Africa. Um, uh, you know, in the last, in the very short period of time. So like the, the growth rate in Africa is insanely fast for crypto. I mean, 70% of the population is under the age of 30. So it's like all the right, you know, it's like early adopters, young, young people that are waking up to new technology are, are really dying to use it. So, yeah. All right. And then uh, on the last point for us um, on the business itself, because you guys are a startup, um, you mentioned just now the fact that, uh, you know, uh, one of your investors, um, what has your funding journey looked like? Um, how are you guys actually funding the business? Are you guys you're raising capital? Like where are you guys are? Series A, B, C, D, E, F, G, where are you guys at the moment? Sweet. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're in a, um, we're just before a series A. So we raised the seed round, um, and we were going to raise a series A, but in the current market, we decided that we, we just want to, um, you know, kind of keep going at, at a, at a very low burn rate. Um, we're, you know, we believe in the technology for 10 years. So we're not trying to gain as much capital, you know, take a lot of, uh, chunk a lot of equity out of our company, um, to, you know, to, grow something that isn't there yet. This market isn't just like there, you know, so we're, we're launching projects. We're going to be launching projects in the next two years. So, um, you know, we don't need infinite capital to, to, to do that. So we're raising $2 million, um, on a safe note, um, to bridge us to series A when, when we feel the right time is. Um, and yeah, the funding has actually been pretty, pretty awesome to date. Um, you know, we, when we started the journey, uh, we, we met Rob Hersoff at a handshake deal. Um, in like one, one night. So we, you know, took one day to convince, to give us a little bit of capital to start. Got a seed, um, a seed, uh, raise for, uh, $300,000 two weeks later after the MVP was built. So that was pretty fast from, uh, you know, an overseas investor, the Friedkin Group. Um, and then, yeah, ever since then, we just bridged a little bit more cash with a, a safe, a safe note, um, which brought us to a total of $650,000 to date. Um, and yeah, now we're raising an additional two million. Um, and yeah, we're going to build a really strong, long, long-term company, and we're we're extremely excited, um, you know, about the future. So yeah, if you if people are looking to invest, uh, you can invest through Simple Capital or chat to us directly. Um, and yeah, we're yeah, uh, Aaron, our, our, the other co-founder, the the CEO, he's heading to the US at the moment, um, and he's uh, we won a, a challenge called the XTC Challenge, the Extreme Tech Challenge. Um, and he's going to be pitching to a whole bunch of US investors. And maybe just speaking about the landscape, I think in South Africa, it's a little, people struggle to buy into the Web3 and NFT space here. Um, I think it's quite like a long-term vision and, and it, you know, it is really going to change the internet, but a lot of SA investors, I don't think, not all, I don't want to say like it's completely like that, but a lot of um, SA and African investors are a little bit hesitant um, around blockchain and only some funds are popping up here and there. Um, so I think it'll be a lot easier right now. Um, but that's why we're heading to America to, to raise capital abroad because it's, you know, people buy into the vision a lot more easily. They understand NFTs and, and, and Web3 a lot, lot, um, better than I would say locally. 
No, most certainly. And, uh, you know, we, we wish you the best on the funding journey, uh, raising capital and the like. I'm sure one of these days I'll be interested to bring you back on. Maybe we can have a discussion um, around how NFTs could possibly um, disrupt the world of uh, venture capital and how businesses actually, um, you know, fund themselves. Uh, definitely keen uh, to have that discussion in future. So that's been us. We were talking to Adam Romain, uh, who is uh, the co-founder um, over at uh, Moment. They are a social NFT marketplace. You know, very fascinating discussion. I'm sure someone uh, was listening to this. We did go quite into the weeds uh, on a number of uh, different issues, you know, pertaining to ownership, pertaining to fungibility, um, whether or not this is a market that has really fallen off. Uh, but Adam is adamant that... Um, we do find ourselves in a situation where people are finding more and more use cases around uh, NFTs. Um, some of the more interesting ones that uh, we we're talking about, we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, ownership when it comes to properties, um, smart contracts and the like. Uh, but the one that was most intriguing to me is how people are tokenizing um, the world of uh, carbon credits. You know, I would not have even thought about, you know, something like that. But I guess that is the creativity uh, that people are bringing to the market he does say that uh, the world of art you know for those uh, artists that um, have built their loyal fan bases you know continues to be you know a very big driver in the market and then he also you know then speaks about uh, the fact that people are using it as a tool uh, to fund you know some of the uh, larger projects we spent quite a bit of time talking about a solo project um, earlier on that was fascinating and I do think uh, and that's what sparked that thought about how um, NFTs could um, disrupt the world of, you know, venture capital and the like, because when you're talking about project finance, those are usually huge projects. You're talking corporate finance, etc. And if that, you know, can be incorporated with smart contracts, uh, who knows what type of conversations we will be having in future. So that's been it. You know, very fascinating discussion, as I said. Adam, thank you so much uh, for, you know, taking time uh, for discussing with us and, uh, you not just sharing your insights oh thanks so much for having me and yeah uh, i would love to come back and, and keep having the conversation as the industry grows this is Mudiwa's take once again, a fascinating discussion around uh, the blockchain, but more specifically um, NFTs or non-fungible tokens. And I think going forward, that is literally going to be uh, the biggest discussion that people are going to need to have um, around NFTs, this issue of uh, fungibility. Uh, that F in NFTs is where I think, um, you know, the wheels are either going to come on or completely fall off, right? Because at the moment, it really does seem like a lot of people um, are jumping onto NFTs, not necessarily because yeah, they truly understand what's going on and uh, they sort of get uh, the concept of fungibility, but rather this is where the money is. This is what's cool at the moment. This is what's trending. And um, there's uh, people that are willing uh, to get into that, but that um, element of fungibility um, doesn't seem to really be there in a lot of the use cases uh, that people are talking about. 
Yeah. Right. So if we can bed down, you know, that piece of the debate, uh, I think it uh, I think it really would be great. And uh, over time, it will be interesting to see how the market develops. Um, one of the things that I like about what Adam was talking about is to say that we are slowly get we seem to be getting to a stage where, you know, the hype is dying down. Um, I think it's always great when uh, when in an in an exciting market the hype dies down, does die down because at least when it dies down, you have the time to actually look at the landscape and see what are people doing. Is there actual value in this thing called NFTs? What are people actually doing um, out there? So when you have things like that um, happening, then I think it opens us up to see what's real, what's not real, and how can people actually um, improve, right? There was a lot of hype around NFTs. A lot of that hype has actually died down. Now we can get into the serious discussions about how people are using them for property, um, how people are using them for corporate finance as well as project finance. Um, as I said, I think NFTs, um, just given their nature, uh, their alignment to blockchain and technology, we could see an application for um, for how people, you know, uh, fund uh, their ventures in future. How does venture capital get affected uh, by uh, your NFTs? Because I think it can really um, help to maybe revolutionize a little bit um, the crowdfunding market. Because when you think about crowdfunding, right, and actually making making sure uh, that you are supporting businesses or raising funds, etc. NFTs might actually come to the fore as an interesting tool and channel through which uh, people are able to do that. But we'll be waiting to see. As I said, I'm not an expert, uh, just, you know, curious mind around the space. And uh, once again, curious to see how it will evolve over time. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.